0: Good morning. It's really good to speak to you this morning, and towards the end of lockdown. And I've been asked to uh, just uh, give you uh, a taster on a series that I've done recently with Com Academy looking at the subject of heaven. But I want to start with a quick illustration. I want you to imagine it was about four weeks into lockdown, and you were watching daytime television, and in a moment of boredom, You clicked on a link for ITV uh, breakfast television or something like that, which said that you were going to win this amazing prize if you were entered into it. And the amazing prize was a trip to Disneyland. It was like 50 50 or 100,000 pounds in cash, a brand new car, and it was all going to be yours if your name was pulled out of the hat and you completely forgot about it, other than the fact that maybe others in your house were taking the mickey out of you, saying that nobody ever wins those kind of prizes and you've just wasted two quid on a text message or something. But then a few weeks later you get a knock on the door, there's a man there who uh, hands you a load of paperwork and he says that you have actually won their ITV prize. So you and your whole family, if they choose to go with you, can go to this amazing Disney, uh, Disney World in Florida, maybe taking in the other parks like Universal Studios and so on and so forth. The only thing is you don't know quite when you're going to be able to do that because it's got to be after the coronavirus is dealt with. So you don't know when that's going to occur, but it's going to happen, you are going to win this prize. Maybe the car will arrive sooner than that once you can get out on the road. What do you do at that point? Well, do you just take the the paperwork and throw it onto a pile somewhere or do you start reading through it? Do you um, examine everything about it? Do you you and the rest of your family start learning about it? Who are you going to take with you? There's no real limit to a number of your family bubble that goes. But they all have to sign uh, on the bottom of that, uh, that paper, that contract with ITV, so that they will be agreed that they are going to go whenever the time uh, arrives for them to go. So this morning, uh, I'll come back to that in a moment, but let's just read uh, the scripture that I want to look at. Uh, it's in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, and I'm going to read it from two versions. I'm going to read it from the NIV, which many people will know, and I'm also going to read with a more cumbersome but actually insightful version of the amplified version. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, therefore heaven. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And in the Amplified. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that, you, that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, that is heaven set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above the heavenly things not on things that are on the earth which are of only temporary value and I'll leave it just there so this scripture is a command to Christians now there is an if statement it is if you have accepted Christ if you have received the resurrection of Jesus change your life around if you've been transformed but I am speaking directly to you, if you are one of those people today, but I'll have something else to say to those that are listening, perhaps just inquisitive on what on earth this Christian is going on about. You see, uh, in the original language, the word zitto or zeto, z-e-t-e-o, which is Greek, is the word that means to set your hearts or a man's quest. It's the same word that is used in scriptures like in Luke 19, where it talks about the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's also the same as uh, in 8, uh, Matthew 18, where it talks about the shepherd who went seeking for his lost sheep. Uh, or the woman in Luke 15:8 who, who goes looking for the missing coin. And, uh, and also uh, the merchant who goes hunting for the fine pearls, who, who sells everything just to get the pearl that is of such great price. Now, each of these descriptions, the word means to diligently and actively and single-mindedly investigate or seek. And the word is in present tense, so it's something that is ongoing. It is an ongoing active seeking. So what Paul is writing in, this, in, the, in the letter of Colossians is a command to say, you must go and actively seek uh, the kingdom of God. You must actively go and seek heaven. You must actively seek of focusing your heart and mind on the subject of heavenly things, not on earthly things. Now, we don't get commanded to eat. We don't get commanded to drink in the Scriptures. These things are natural. We don't get commanded not to jump off of buildings or anything like that. It's because usually those things are not a battle for us. We do those things Naturally. But the trouble is that thinking about heavenly things is almost not natural for us. I would say it is not natural. Everything in our day-to-day lives, whether we're going to work or stuck at home in lockdown, is all about our surroundings and the physical world, not thinking about what might be coming or what's happening in heaven right now. The only time we might break this taboo is when we're in a funeral setting, when we've just seen someone die, and then we might start to think about, well, what comes next? Perhaps it's, as some have said, that if you think about heaven too often, you would be of no earthly use, being heavenly minded but of no earthly use. Well, years ago, C.S. Lewis put this to bed, and he said this, When you consider all the great Christians throughout the ages, from the apostles to those that abolished the slave trades, to Wesley, to Whitfield, and I would add Mother Teresa, all of these people had a heavenly mind. They were focused on heaven, but it allowed them to transform the society around them because they had a heart that was focused elsewhere. You see, if you aim, as he said, if you aim for... uh, The earth, that is all you get, and then you might miss it. But if you aim for heaven, you get earth thrown in. And lastly, he said this, Most of us find it very difficult to want heaven at all, except insofar as heaven means meeting again our friends who have died. One reason for this difficulty is that we have not been trained. Our whole education tends to fix our minds on this world. Another reason is that when the real want for heaven is present in us, we do not recognize it. You see, the thing is that Scripture tells us that eternity is in the hearts of people, in the hearts of men. God has placed that in us. We've got a hunger to live. That's why we ask the question, what's next? Surely there is more than this. You could entitle this talk, surely there is more. Well, there is more. We are built for the more. We are built for far more than just this life. And death is not something was originally part of the plan. It's not, it is an alien in this world. Now, to be able to think of the world without death, without sin, or without sickness, or any of those things, is, is beyond, it seems, our thinking, unless God reveals it to us. Fortunately, Scripture tells us that even though we can't even begin to imagine what God has in store for us, yet He has revealed it to His Spirit. And the Word of God, which the Spirit brings to life to us, can show us just what He has in mind for us. Now, every command of God is for our benefit. It is for our greatest good. And being commanded to fix our minds and our hearts upon heaven is a good thing. God realises that we need to have that wider focus. Otherwise, our circumstances can often rob us of joy. It can rob us of our purpose. It could rob us of our very lives. So, let's have a think for a moment, because so often there is a lot of false understanding about heaven. And I want to take just some of the scriptures from the first session or some of the ideas from the first session of thinking about heaven as a present place. This is the place that people want to know about because they they want to know where their granny is or, or where they're going or whatever. And I have to tell you this, that heaven is not an eternal place. It is not something that never changes, heaven, the only thing that's eternal, is God himself. He is the one that has always been and always will be. But he has chosen a place to live and created a place to live. And that place, as we would call it at the moment, is heaven for him. And it had a past, it has a present, and it has a future. In the past, heaven was closed to human beings from the time when when death entered. Because from that point on, it says that humankind should not be allowed to enter into heaven because they were sinful, that they had fallen, that they had gone against God's best, and now they were reaping the consequences. So for a time, nobody entered heaven except God himself. But there was a place where the dead were placed, There was a place that was set apart. And Jesus talks about this in Luke, in this parable of or the the story of um, the rich man and Lazarus. It talks about how at death, a rich man is taken to a place of misery and a beggar was taken to a place of paradise that was with Abraham. But it doesn't mention God. So up until the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, Heaven was closed for us. Heaven was, had a past. But from the point of his death and resurrection, Jesus opened a way and heaven became a place where people who are redeemed by Jesus Christ, who have put their trust in him, can go there. In fact, the indicator is that immediately upon death, somebody who trusts in Jesus will be taken directly into the presence of God. This is the present heaven. Now, it's a great place. Paul said that it would be better by far to be there than to be alive today. He, he said that. He, in the end, he said, I, I'll hang in here for you guys because I know you need what I'm doing. But he said, it'd be better by far for me if I was there because I will be in the presence Now, that situation doesn't continue on and on and on because there comes a point in time when death itself is wrapped up and sorted out. This is the end of the second era. This is the end of what we know as the present heaven. Because at that point, Jesus returns. He returns with those that are his saints, those that have loved him, that are with him right now, and he sets up a great white throne. And there's a big judgment day and the first thing that gets judged is death and hell and Satan and all of those things. And they are thrown into a lake of fire. Then the rest of humanity are all raised and given a resurrected body and life. Everybody gets eternal life because death is now gone. Those that have put their trust in Jesus Christ are in the Lamb's book. They're in a record that says that they trusted him while they were on the earth. And so they get to go on to the next stage. The rest, unfortunately, do not. But once sin and rebellion and everything else has been dealt with, the stage is cleared, as it were. And at that point, a new heaven, uh, out of the heavens, out of our space and whatever, out of time, out out of heaven itself, comes the city, the new Jerusalem, the place that Jesus has said he's preparing for us. And there is a created new earth. So the ultimate hope, the glorious hope, is that we will go there, because that will be the start of all those things that mentioned in in Revelation 20, which talks about there, no more dying, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more sickness. All of those things are dealt with. They are not a part of what God's planned from that point on because everyone will have chosen to be with God and be empowered to always love God and grow in him throughout the whole of their eternal life. But this present heaven, there are some things we don't know about it. It's not as clear. We don't know whether we'll have a physical body or where that body will come from, because our resurrection body is going to be taken as a, from a seed of our old body, and so that's not going to be the thing we have right up there now. Nor will it be the resurrection body, because that will happen after the great white throne, or at the point of the great white throne, or the next, the future heaven. But it seems that God sovereignly gives us some sort of temporary body that we will have during the waiting period while we're waiting for everything to finish up on earth. And there's a scripture... In uh, Revelation and chapter six, which I can't—I don't have time to read now—but you can read it here. It talks about those that have died in Jesus Christ, who were martyred for their faith, crying out to God with one voice. So they have vocal cords; they speak in unity. They remember the situation that they had on earth and those that had attacked them unjustly. They also cry out. Uh, and ask God, how long will it be? Because they've had enough. There's too many deaths. There's too many that have been martyred. But God says, you will wait until it is prepared, and I've brought all of those um, in that need to come in. He gives them a robe, so they have bodies, and they they, uh, obviously are aware of time. They're aware of uh, what's going on on the earth. There are lots of things I hope for in the eternal heaven, the the heaven that will go on, but I don't have time to talk about those now. But I want to illustrate that what I've said about everybody gets caught up with where I'm going to go when I die, but there's far, far more. And I want to just illustrate that with um, a story at the end. I talked about Disney and, you know, for those of you who are Christians who know that heaven is a prize for you, why on earth would you spend your time focused on all the things of this world, getting down about them, when you could be exploring what God has revealed by his spirit and by his word? The final might give us uh, insight into this is I want you to imagine for a moment that you weren't born where you were born, but you were born in a slum in Nairobi, perhaps Mathari or one of the others, one of the four or five slums that are around Nairobi city in, in Kenya. There are over a million poor souls in many of those places. Poverty, sickness, there's a lot, lot of um, horrendous situations there. I've experienced them and in, in Simeon and Joshua too. But I want you to imagine that you were born there, that you grew up there and it seemed fairly hopeless until one day somebody came to you and told you that you had inherited something, that some rich Californian, uh, perhaps uh, billionaire, had basically adopted you without you knowing and wanted to take you to uh, California where there was a beach house or whatever waiting for you. And so you are given the papers, you're given a new set of clothes to travel in, etc., etc., luggage, whatever you needed. And as you got on the flight from Nairobi to California, uh, perhaps to Los Angeles airport, uh, they asked you your destination and you say, well, I'm going to LAX, I'm going to Los Angeles, I'm going to California because that's my destination. But that he, you may well be stopping off at Heathrow on the way and London. Now, it doesn't matter to you that you're stopping off in London because you're going to California. And yet when you when you get on the plane and and, and stuff, you, you might have a stopover not of an hour, but maybe of a day, maybe of a week, maybe quite a long time in, in Heathrow. And during that time you meet up with other family members, people that you didn't even know were your family, but were going to be traveling on with you to this other place in California. It, you would talk about your lives and, and the things in the airport, you would talk about what went on with your situation, you how you grew up in Mathari. But you wouldn't be sad about that, nor would you really be worried about looking around London. You would want to get on to California. This present heaven will just be a stopping place. It will be amazing. It will be solid. It's likely to be a city. There's probably going to be horses and people that you've never even uh, wanted to meet that you're going to meet in that place but it's not the final destination because all of us will have the opportunity on day one of the new heaven and the new earth coming to explore it together. That is my glorious hope. And I hope it's yours. But I will say this, you only have a short while to actually accept the prize that has been offered to you today. And if you haven't accepted that, then maybe you should start thinking, because it's an amazing prize, and the regret of not receiving it could be far too much for you to bear. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.